You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Well, welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show. Just myself, Clancy Overall, here today. What we got here today is a, one of a dream run of Indigenous guests. Obviously, we've got a lot going on in the news. Turn on the TV or open a newspaper, you'd know that Aboriginal people are obviously the main character of a news story in a political moment that is gripping the country, whether they want to be or not, unfortunately. And that's, you know, uh, resulted in a two-part episode that we did with uh, Thomas Mayo, the MUA union delegate who's involved in the Uluru Dialogue and the Voice to Parliament campaign. And we're also hoping to talk to some of the uh, representatives from the Queensland Black No and hear their side of things. But yes, it all is an overwhelming news cycle and I feel sorry for the Aboriginal people in the centre of this, like a tug of war, which is why it is such great news that we have the ultimate circuit breaker for the Aboriginal community coming up. Same weekend as the NRL Grand Final, the Koori Knockout. I don't think anyone will be talking about politics on the sideline unless it's directly related to the politics involved in selecting sides and who's from who and who's playing for who. Thank you for joining us today, Dean Witters. Yeah, mate, politics is what it's all about with the football, I tell you. You you go up there, there's plenty of arguments at dinner tables about who's in what team and should they be allowed to play and why is Latrell Mitchell not playing with his mob? We have all of it, and it's uh, certainly something that we call it knockout fever. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the Aboriginal community in New South Wales, they get it come September all the way through, and they ride it all the way to the big one in October, and it's certainly an exciting time. It's an interesting one, isn't it? It's a it's what well, it's a record breaker. This carnival. What, what are the stats there? It's the biggest independent rugby league. Been going for over 50, 51, 52 years now. Yeah, it started a long time ago with six or seven teams down here in Erskineville. Yep, and it's grown now to it's probably the largest rugby league event in the world. So you'd have over one hundred and fifty teams up there in Tugra yeah. this next weekend and there'll be a men's competition and they usually get around 64 to 68 teams or a cap it at 64 these days and it's huge you'll have i think it's the only sporting event you can go to in the world where a world champion could play against someone who doesn't even play a sport regularly you won't see that happen anymore. yeah yeah for sure yeah it's it's something about the aboriginal community with these exhibition matches too it's the same with the indigenous all-stars in the nrl in what other competition in the world are these blokes going to risk an injury before the season's even started to play with their mob? And I think it just comes down to how much rugby league means to our communities and what impact and influence rugby league and its players can have on the Indigenous community. Yep. So we love our football and it, it makes a difference to our communities. It brings people together mm-hmm. uh, and gives us a voice and it's something that we're, we're just really passionate about. Now, I want us to talk about that there because, Dean, you are a decorated former footballer of the NRL. Rabbitohs legend, Parramatta legend. Bit of time in England as well. Yeah, at three years over there in the cold at Castleford. They yeah, loved yeah. It over there. Yeah. And of course, all your club stuff and all your family stuff. Can you tell us about your earliest memories of rugby league football as a young Koori lad out New England way? Yeah, so I grew up in Armidale. Yeah. And I grew up in Armidale. I was born at the time that the local... Indigenous rugby league players couldn't get a run with the with the teams in town. Geez, they must so, have been ordinary. So they, the teams in town must have been ordinary. Well, they'd play. 
the stories go that they'd play all year and get them into the finals, and then when they oh. get into the finals, they'd all get dropped and couldn't yeah. get a game in the grand finals. Right. So they formed their own team, the Narwin Eels. Right, and right, right. the Aboriginal community in Armadale is that passionate about the Narwin Eels, and it yeah. comes from our tribal, the Anawan yeah. people. So it comes from our tribe, the Narwin Eels, and they formed their own team. And then this team became so successful in Armadale that it helped overcome racism. And yeah, right. this is around the same time that I was born and it brought the Aboriginal community together in yeah. Armadale. So I saw the difference that rugby league could make to a community at a young age. Yeah. And I grew up just passionate about it. And then the Koori knockout was what no one would play in. And every year we'd, we'd go down in October to they're see my playing? dad. Yeah, they're still playing. Yep. Still one of the most successful teams in the knockout. When was the know. last time you threw on a jersey? Um, <laughs> last year. <laughs> Can you believe it? There's a funny story too because my team, uh, NRLW team last year, Parra, we made the grand final. So we had the captain's run on a Saturday and then I whipped down to an hour straight after the captain's run, got down there, played my game and then drove straight back so I could be ready for the NRLW grand final. So I got my game in last year, just had one. That's knockout fever. Yeah, but I've got to, give, I've got to throw the boots away this yeah, year. I won't yeah. be playing this year, but um, I'll be commentating with NITV up there this year. Yeah, so yeah. looking forward to it. Oh, that. that's okay. You're on, the, you're on the panel now. Yeah, so doing yeah. the commentary with NITV and it's been fantastic. I think when you look at the knockout, you know, it was run for so long as just community groups and community teams getting together and running it. And then NITV came on board sort of and broadcast it to yeah. the rest of the community. I remember when that happened. I yeah. remember there was, a, there was a moment, there was a before and after of the NITV coverage, wasn't it? You'd always yes. hear yarns about the knockout. All of a sudden you're watching it. Everyone was watching it. And it's just grown off the back of it yeah. now. And it's forced the professionalism of the event to, to yep. come up heaps, you know, yeah. and... I'll be in the commentary and I love nothing better to go there and watch all the young talent that's coming through yeah. and to, to, you know, hopefully be a, a voice for those young yeah. footballers and the communities they're yeah. from and talk about Blackfellow football and the teams and the background and the history of the teams yeah. and the clubs and let people know, let the wider audience know about it. And everyone tunes into the NITV broadcast because yeah. it's the Monday after the grand finals, the finals. Yeah. Um, and obviously we'll broadcast all weekend up there next yeah, week yeah. in Tugra. But everyone, you've watched the grand final the night before. The next day you're still looking for a bit of footy. Yeah. You can tune in. And last year the audience got to watch Latrell Mitchell and um, play in the grand final of the Nakuri knockout. Yeah, so, it was the first time we saw what will now be the combination that makes up the Rabbitohs. We saw White and... We yes. saw Cody and we saw Latrell all playing. Yeah, yeah, so the big names will be there again. And, yeah. uh, you know, Cody just played in a knockout out at uh, Walgett on the weekend yeah, with yeah, uh, yeah. Georgie Rose. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the boys love it. And I know even as, I, as an NRL player myself, yeah. I could not wait to go back and play in a knockout it's, every year. It's funny, and you talk to Georgie Rose about that. I've talked to many athletes about it. There's a few milestones in a footballer's career, right? But there's a premiership. There's the crown jewels that you'd hope to achieve as an NRL footballer. Premiership's one of them. An origin starts one of them. And winning an origin's one of them. But I think with the Aboriginal population, the Koori population, that make up uh, you know a vast number of NRL players within the playing group, winning a knockout with your family would be number one, wouldn't it? Yeah, Above well, all else. Well, you remember George Rose and he won a premiership with Manly. <laughs> but then when he won the Koori knockout in Armidale, it was. Uh, he won it the year after we won it and we hosted it up there. He said on the on the footage of the NITV that uh, it's the best moment I've ever had in rugby league. It's the best thing I've ever achieved. He was that pumped about it and yeah. gave it everything that weekend, Georgie. But it is that special to us because we play with our communities, we play with our yeah. families, all the brothers that we grow up with, and yeah. to win one is fathers is and sons. Special. That's a big one. Being I, able to play with your son, you know. Yeah, well, I play. I did both. I played with my father in my yeah. first ever Curry knockout. 
and learn a lot from playing footy with him and it was one of the best moments mm. and then I'm equally as proud when I got to play with my son yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. So done both things and, yeah, it's some of the special moments in rugby league. I mean, you can see how it works, right? Everyone thinks the body gets a bit older and Dean says he's got to hang up the boots. But if every single person, you know, every Koori family, every old man of the household or, you know, fading footballing legend says, I only got to play one weekend a year, people are getting up and about, aren't they, in their 50s? It's a dream time story. The September <laughs> sun, we call it. There's something magnetic and magical in it that the swelling goes down, <laughs> the knees move a little bit better, and the head believes that it can still do it one last time, yeah, you know. Yeah. And my old uncle Dennis Moore, and he's nearly 50, yeah. and he played again on the weekend. He limps all year, he can't walk properly, <laughs> but he played footy on the weekend, and he's getting ready for that big knockout next next yeah. week. So, yeah, we, we somehow, against all belief, we defy belief and <laughs> find a way to get out there and have a run. I always remember... Um my first knockout, I'd only just come down to New South Wales for a visit and I was in the Central West and it was this one you were just talking about. The Walgett had won in Armidale and then they had to host the next year but they did it in Bathurst because they didn't have the ovals in Walgett. So that was the one I, I went and saw for my first one. And I always remember there was Mundine, Anthony Mundine, I think GI, a couple of NRL players uh, who weren't playing, or and in fact, some you know, I think GI's family hadn't set up the Wall Street Warriors yet, so he was kind of wasn't playing. But the, remember, there was there, oh, it was pointed to me, and I'm sure every young kid knew about it. Was that there was a row of uh, Mercedes on the dead ball line down the southern end of the field? I remember thinking the big shots are coming here to watch. You know what I mean? This is it doesn't matter what's happening in the calendar elsewhere. And as we said, this was this was before the full blown. Uh, I mean. NITV were there, but it was before it had become part of the broadcast sporting calendar. Everyone was there watching. I remember seeing all those cars lined up, you know, athletes, heroes to the kids. The kids get to get up and say good day as well. Some might have even been playing in that comp. Is there an element of a lot of people, like a lot more eyes are on this than people really realise? Do you get the NRL scouts down there? Do you get yeah. the... Mate, the NRL players that watch it, you know, yeah. to respect to guys like Cam Murray and yeah. Adam Reynolds himself, you know, you, they watch these knockout games on TV. They they come in and they watch it in the crowd. You see a lot yeah. of the NRL players coming along and watching. Mm -hmm. um, scouts definitely go there, especially to watch the young kids. Yep. And there's amazing talent of these young kids, you yeah. know, and they're raw footballers and they can change rugby league for the better. You know, you see yeah. the way Reese Walsh plays, yeah. uh, Selwyn Cobbo there. They've got that Cody Walker. They've got a bit of that knockout flair yeah. about them and mm -hmm. that's how these games are played. They're played with flair and yeah. risk-taking and all this sort of skill that's, and ability. I've never, yeah, I've never thought of that. I've never thought of the knockout's influence on the NRL as an actual considered factor when it comes to coaching and putting a team together that you've got knockout flair. It's a style of play. Yeah. You know, it's been taught from a young age. You go to the knockout, it's tough and aggressive football, yeah. but it's also move the ball, spread the ball, take risks, you know, yeah. uh, try anything yeah. and believe in your ability. That's sort of like you had to prove yourself as yeah. a young kid in community. And I know when I was growing up, that was – one thing that was when you get that jersey on, you play for now, and that's when you can prove to everyone yeah. whether you're going to be a man in this community and yep. whether you're a good footballer. Right. I couldn't wait to get my chance. But the big thing about it was, yeah, you've got to play 
with flair and confidence and you've got to back yourself in the knockout. Yeah. It's, there's no grinding the ball and just kicking and completing yeah, sets yeah, there. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're playing 100 miles an hour because it's only short games too, yeah. 20 minutes each way. Yeah. So it's virtually, let's go out there and just get points on the board. No one wants to go in there and be patient and wait. They just come at you 100 miles an hour. And the skill and the flair and the ability of some of these young kids. To do it in front of your grandmother, to do it in front of your aunties, you know, to do it in front of your family and potentially have a moment as a young man, when things or a young woman as well, um, you know, we've got all kinds of uh, categories, but I think we're talking about, so when you were playing, it would have just been open men's, right? Yes. Open men's. To be able to do something in that moment that your family and your community talk about for the rest of your life, do you think that kind of oh, that it's, inspires? It's a buzz, and it's yeah. the one thing you look forward to most. And for all us as young blackfellas in the community, yeah. That's our first game against men. Yeah. You always play your first game yeah. against men in a knockout. Yeah. Never anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to prove yourself because everyone's going to test you. Yeah. They're going to test you tough enough yeah. and they're going to test you, are you good enough? Yeah. So, And you've got everyone in your team sort of backing you yeah. and the support of them. So they make you feel bulletproof. You know, yeah. I, I said to you earlier, I, I played with my dad. When I ran out, I felt like no one could hurt me yeah, and no yeah, one yeah. could touch me. I was protected. Tall. He made me feel safe <laughs> yeah. and, and he backed me. And yeah. that's how I wanted to play my footy. Now, I want to talk about this concept of knockout legends. Some people have been able to make it in the big smoke with the NRL. Some people chose not to. Some people were just missed by the system. And some people would show their face on a knockout oval once every five years and everyone would be shitting themselves. Ewan McGrady comes to mind. There, it, mate, there's a list of them McGrady's. Yeah, there's yeah. about 10 of them with that last name. That, yeah. You know, oh, McGrady specifically. His, his brother, yeah. uh, Brett McGrady, who was yeah. a country footballer, Brett, yeah. he was as good as yeah. Ewan. Yeah. And you've got Ricky McGrady and Jason McGrady who were two of his brothers that came to Sydney and played. And everyone yeah. sort of heard of them in Sydney and yeah. knew of their freakish ability. Yeah. Uh, but Brett was as good as anyone yeah. back there in um, – in Tumala Moree in one yeah. competitions and come knockouts, he, he was the dominant playmaker yeah. in that team, you know, of all his brothers, yeah. superstars. So the McGrady's fantastic. A guy called Shane Phillips in Redfern yeah. was an amazing uh, wall player, silky smooth. Yeah. Paul Davis and Brett Davis from Nambucca, they yeah. were some of the ones that yeah, school right. man. And then my old man and his team back in Armadale in Arwen, they won two or three knockouts. They they were a champion team, yeah. you know. They had yeah, a lot yeah. of gun players. Uh, yeah. But there's yeah, there's certainly definitely a lot of legends of throughout the knockout. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe they're just on the road. Maybe they've got responsibilities. Maybe they've got, you know, a bunch of kids at home. Maybe they've got a job where they've got to, you know, they can't be playing footy in a regular season or whatever, but they do make that weekend clear. I mean, I've seen, <laughs> you know, there's a whole story. There's out of Bree Warrener. Yeah. There's a guy, uh, Charlie Mack, they call him Charlie McEwen. Yeah. And Charlie played against, you know, Tamana Toe, Jason Moody, yeah. when they were all in their prime, Leo Denver, Owen Craigie, when they were in their prime at uh, Newcastle, and he dismantled the whole team. <laughs> and he was an old fella. He played till he was nearly 50. I think he still runs around out there. <laughs> but there's little tales of these country yeah, yeah. guys that just freakish ability that yeah. never, ever went to Sydney, but will take on anyone and beat anyone when it comes to the knockout. There's also the yarn, I guess. I saw it more with the Queenslanders, right? And they've got their Murray Carnival. But uh, the Queenslanders didn't really, particularly further north you went, they didn't really have these isolated Murray comps or these Murray teams that break away. Mm. You know what I mean? And it, it was a really good example, that first Indigenous All-Stars match in the NRL, to see Wendell and see these blokes had always been proud, but they'd never been able to rep it the way they did in that match. Do you see that as well? Like maybe, maybe someone is, you know, proud Aboriginal man, but really kind of was brought up 
not within a community. Yeah, well, and they Nick, get Nico the Hines, mate. Nico Hines, yeah. he, he was playing for Griffith three ways before he probably even played an NRL match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so he's, he was finding his identity and yeah. who, connection with who he was and, yeah. and learning in the, on the biggest stage at the knockout yeah. about what it means to be a black follower yeah. and how much of a difference rugby league makes and what it means to us. So yeah. a lot of the boys have come along on that story yeah. and, and played their old Greg Bird. I remember when Birdie played in the knockout. Yeah. Like They all go back and they have their chance to play yeah. and learn and get connected to mob. Yeah, and that's the the breeding ground for that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, is to come back and find your connection. How do you go as a commentator? I need to ask because you have obviously ingrained prejudices and uh, favoritism and bias as a commentator. Yeah, when so I fit in with all the rest of them, don't I? <laughs> fit in with all the commentators, but uh, you know, we, we don't hear any bias come through on Channel Nine or anything like that, do we? Joey never raps Newcastle, and Gus is never talking about the Bulldogs or Penrith, how good they are. But you know, I I, I um I just love the footy, and I just want to promote these young kids and 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 tell their story of where they're from, their connections with yeah. different rugby league players that people might know about, yeah. and what the communities are built on, and what rugby league means to those communities, and just really enjoy it. I suppose it's really exciting. Yeah. You know, we got Brad Cook there as the voice, oh, no, the Brad voice Cook. of Indigenous rugby league. You'll yeah. hear, and he's an excellent commentator. Yeah. How He's still not in mainstream commentary, I don't know, Cookie. He's so good. Did he ever get a deadly award? Uh, he I'm probably sure got he did. a deadly award. He's, <laughs> he's done lots of things. But he does an incredible job, Brad, yeah. with the commentary. And myself, Tamana Toe's there. Yeah. Uh, Bo De La Cruz does a lot of the women's. Bo Champion jumps on board. Oh, yeah, Bo. So we have, you know, a lot of our, our crew from the Over the Black Dot there jump on, you know. So we talk NRL all year, but we love our community football. Yeah. And we can't wait to do the commentary on the knockout because you've got to give that background to all the, who all these teams are mm. and who the young players are and a little bit of their journey and stuff and let people know because these are the next superstars yeah, that you'll see sure. on your TV. I like. I also like the yarn about the NRL players that have a sabbatical, you know what I mean? Whether they end their career suddenly because of an injury or something else happens or they just retire. And then you see him five years later, and I'll tell you now, and I'm, and this is going to enter the rumor mill. I remember the rumor mill's big, and when it comes to knockout fever, I remember hearing about someone seeing Latrell's Ute last year in Nara. That was hysterical, and they didn't know who he was playing for until he put the jersey on. But uh, the rumor I'm going to throw into the rumor mill is I've been seeing on Instagram. Jamal Idris is back in the gym. Yes, well, he's got a team in. I saw that. He's got a Foster team. He, he's got some sponsorship from the RSL up there in Foster. And I saw he's got a team. So I wouldn't be surprised if yep. he goes and plays. They they con all their, their ex-NRL yep. players up. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, Dylan Farrell's always one who's really keen in yeah, there. Yeah. Georgie Rose obviously gets yeah. down and plays. You'll see Nathan Blacklock still running around right. and doing some tricks. Not too many backflips from him these days, but he'll be there playing. <laughs> Um, Chock, when was Chock's last Chock, run? Chock only played probably about five or six years ago. I don't know if Chock will have a run. Uh, yeah. He might. Uh, yeah. He's young blokes play, so yeah. and that's what it's about. I think that's what draws the older guys out is that chance to play with your son or to play yeah. with your nephew or to help some of the young boys that you're, you're around in the community and, and share that uh, passion for rugby league and for the knockout together. So you'll see a bit of it happen. And there's, you know, you count up to 30, 40 NRL or ex-NRL players playing in a knockout every year. It's a great weekend to talk about what sport and particularly what rugby league can do for young Aboriginal people and Aboriginal communities. You know, We can talk about all kinds of different pathways for people. Education, academics, music. You, know, you could be a brain surgeon. There's plenty of pathways, plenty of careers that anyone can kind of, uh, you know, we'd like to think that people can go that way if they want to go that way. But sport is a great example for not only financial emancipation for someone, you make a bit of money, mm. 
but also, you know, it's a good way. And, and, and so I want to talk about some of the work you do now when you're kind of working with footballers and, you know, what they can achieve off the field, you know, as NRL stars or as, you know, athletes or, you know, people that are, you know, you could be just taking bonuses, playing club footy, playing resis. Mm. Well, you know what, it took it took a long time for us to knock down the walls of the, of the NRL, you mm. know what I mean? And, and especially when Indigenous players first came into it, they were seen more in the athletic roles on the wing, you know, yep. a bit of speed, can run. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So the early players were all, you know, and yeah. Uncle Lionel Morgan who passed away uh, just yeah. this week is the first Indigenous player to play for Australia. But him, the Larry Coral was, you know, they were all the flash, Ricky Warfords, yeah. they were all the wingers because yeah. they could run fast. Yeah. But then you saw the the new breed come through, who were the strategy players, the tactical players. You know the Thurstons. And, and what do you think happened there? Do you think the coaches changed? Uh, I think just the attitudes of the NRL clubs changed. Yeah, where right. they started to believe a black fella could do this. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, we always had smart footballers. We always yeah. had people who played with flair. But yeah. they think, and and I think this is a, a, a unconscious bias that yeah. exists in rugby league. Is people think that Cody Walker goes from his backyard and runs on an NRL field and just, just did what he did last as a kid growing up in the backyard. Yeah. Now, Cody studied the game. He yeah. studies his op- opponents. Yeah. He knows them inside out. Yeah. He knows his own teammates better than yeah, yeah. Uh, than probably anyone in his team does. Yeah, you know, yeah. knows their strengths and their weaknesses. What yeah. He's on the so iPad. He, he knows everything about yeah. it. He, he watches video. He knows the ins and outs of the yeah. styles of play. So, bit like the, the black quarterback stigma in America. You know yeah, what I mean? And that, yeah. And it's the same with um, some of our players. Josh Adokar is another one. Yeah. People think, oh, he can run fast because he ran fast as a kid. You can't run that fast <laughs> just because you're fast as a kid. I was fast <laughs> as a kid. I don't have that speed. Josh. Wetton did athletics training. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah, working. Yeah. He works hard in the gym. He yeah. works hard on his body. He's very disciplined. Yeah. And that's why you see him run as fast as he did. And I think sometimes that stigma stayed around for a long time. That credit wasn't Okay, given. so it's the natural talent. Yeah, natural talent. Just playing yeah. like he did in the backyard, playing off the top of yeah. his head. They don't, you can't they don't, play they don't off the top of your head. Professionals. Yeah. You can't play off the top of your head in the NRL. Yeah, right. You know, you've got to be smart in lots of different ways. And Cody Walker is the example of that. And I think, look, while we're breaking down that door to get into the playing yeah. of the NRL, going into administration, coaching mm-hmm. and executive levels of clubs and the of the game itself, that's yeah. the next door to be broken down. You know, we don't have any Indigenous coaches in the NRL at the moment. No yeah. one even on any of the staff yeah. at any of the places. I think it's only Travis Toomer at the Bulldogs. That's one yeah, out of yeah. probably you know, across 19 clubs with probably 20 staff each. Yeah. Up to 400. It's, it's, you know, less than a quarter of a yeah, percent yeah. is Indigenous when we make up up to 13 to 15% of yeah, the game. So sure. we need to work hard in those spaces to create opportunities for more in the game. But also the, the idea of... Uh get an education you go to uni uh, you know in between training sessions as well that's another interesting kind of uh, byproduct and you know pro of choosing a career in the nrl if you were lucky enough to be you know given that opportunity i always remember back to georgie rose seeing him coming up the hill to go to you know university after training there he'd go up to sydney uni or whatever he was doing and then, you know he ends up in a boxing promoter space. He ends up in. Well, he's you know, the money man now, Georgie Rose. I like to call him Dana Black. Yes, <laughs> he's killing it, big Georgie. But yeah, yeah, plan A or studying. Those things that that's changed. I mean, just across the board for for athletes, I reckon, or footballers. 
black and white over the last 10 years. People thinking you, you can think about when this ends while you're playing. Well, I always say to players, two plan A's. Yeah. Plan A on the field yeah. and a plan A off the yeah, field. Not a backup plan, yeah. which used to be spoken about a long time. Yeah. Have a backup plan just yeah, in case. Yeah. Just in, No one's going to have a backup plan. Yeah. We don't have a backup plan for when we go out on a Friday night. Yeah, so yeah. you're not going to have it for your life, you know yeah. what I mean? So I always say you have two plan A's and yeah. focus on what you want to achieve off the field, yeah. whether it's you know commentary, working in a game, um, being a doctor, being whatever it is. And we've seen some of our players in business this year. You know, you've got Remus Smith running his own business. Mm-hmm. You've got Alex Johnson writing uh, children's story time books yeah. And, yeah. and setting himself up for that for life yeah. after. Josh Adokar with his sports apparel. Yeah. Um, George obviously did his boxing for yeah. a long time and his yeah. business management. You know, so there's a lot of things that the players are doing yeah. off the field. And that's across the whole game. Yeah. That's setting themselves up so that when they finish playing, they're still able to go out and make a big difference in the community. And we need that from our Indigenous players particularly. So you're thinking about this and you're working in this for the NRL, particularly working with players. You're working with players. All the top players, yeah. How do you how do you explain to them the bright lights? I mean, we're talking about knockout here is a great place for a young person to start. It's a great place for you to fall in love with football. It's a great place for you to follow that avenue to become a footballer, a professional footballer. But that's the knockout. It's community. It's safe, right? And you were talking about your first start there, up there in, in Armadale. It wasn't long between you getting your start playing with your old man to you sitting on private jets with Russell Crowe when he took over the Rabbitohs, you know what I mean? How do you explain that? You, you know, things are going to get weird. Things, The lights are going to be bright. You're going to be at movie premieres. He's going to put you in Armani suits. He's going to mm. roll you around town. You're going to meet Russell Crowe. You're going to meet Snoop Dogg. You're going to meet these people. You're actually going to be hot shit. How do you explain that to them and how did you deal with it? Yeah, well, look, I suppose there's two things I say to young players all the time is your talent and your ability on the field, that gets you in the door at NRL clubs. It gets you an opportunity. But how long you stay there for comes down to your discipline, your dedication, Mm -hmm. your professionalism Mm -hmm. and your ability to adapt and keep learning and growing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kids have got to work hard off the field to stay in NRL clubs for a long time. You know, football ability and the, to be able to run, catch and pass mm-hmm. is one thing, but to be able to be dedicated to the sport, to be disciplined with your diet and your sleep and to yeah. turn up every day and be consistent, to get setbacks and, and become resilient and overcome setbacks, is it's, it's a whole new talent that our kids need to learn. And yeah. I talk to the coaches in, in the game and the people who work with our players and say – Sometimes they need more training off the field than they do in stuff on the field. You know, <laughs> you don't need to spend hours out there teaching them how to pass and catch and yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, finesse their skills, but you also teach equal, them how to pay, pay bill to keep the lights on. You know, teach yeah. them how to be yeah. resilient. Yeah, teach them how to you know to tough it out through different times to be patient. Teach them how to make sure they prepare and plan for their week and their game preparation. Yeah. Teach them how to recover after games. And what about life skills? What about your, your and day this is, and day? This is all yeah. part of life yeah, skills. Yeah. You know is is learning these things to around that professionalism. And then you apply them every day, how to get a job and yeah. to have a consistent job, yeah, how right. to sustain relationships, all these sort of things, yeah. how to have good people around you. You know, how to So you think that that's what you say more more than anything to these kids before you even consider the bright lights that are going to come from a successful career from stardom, get on top of this shit before you start thinking about how you're going to handle the girls in your DMs, how you're going to handle the the celebrity factor, the the being invited to things. You yeah, know? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that comes with it. And look, everyone loves to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. But you know that that only comes off the back of all the hard work yeah. and the focus that you, you get. So you've got to keep yourself grounded. Yeah. And you've got to remember all the little things that make the difference in your mm-hmm. career. And you'll get to ride some of the highs like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also, 
you know, that's the rugby league like a bit of a roller coaster. There's yeah. for every high and every, you know, trip to a club with Russell Crowe, there's, <laughs> there's also some tough little mornings <laughs> when you've lost a game and yeah. have to go through that battle and everyone's hammering you, you know what yeah. I mean? Or you get dropped to reserve grade. Like, there's some equally tough moments as well. And you look at Latrell just in this last 12 months, for yeah. the highs that he's had in his career, he's had a lot of lows as well and he's, he's had, had to deal with them. I want to talk about that a little bit. Was talking to Latrell the other day and it just blows me away how he's able to keep high spirits. Rugby league media, and we said this in the interviews over the last couple of weeks, you know, we had uh, Andrew Webster in here talking about Wayne Bennett and talking about Wayne Bennett's approach to dealing with, I guess, the feelings and the, you know, self-conscious young men. And I don't know how self-conscious young men, which of everyone would be when you're an elite sportsman. You, you've got to be self-conscious. You've got to have an ego. You've got to have all these different things going on inside you. NRL media used to be able to cover all that. And it was fun. And, it, you know, sometimes it'd be a witch hunt. You know, Sonny Bill's gone to Toulon. He's taken off on the Bulldogs. Or Mundine was a, you know, was a yeah. firebrand in the media. And maybe Mundine knew how to play with the media. He certainly did by the time he was boxing. He certainly knew the game. But... It was never really the pylon like you'd see in the AFL, which you see with the Favola or the Benny Cousins or the Adam Goods. But we're starting to see it in NRL media now. I think it's the way that you know everything's going online, and they're looking for clicks, and they're looking for uh, you know they're treating it like talkback rugby league commentary. Mm. You know, it's it's almost like listening to shock jocks nowadays. Have you seen anything like what's happening to Latrell, like these pylons that they put on Latrell? Jerome, Jerome Luai is another one, but I don't think he's had a full lick of what Latrell's had to cop since he moved, or basically since he became a household name. Yeah, look, mate, I've never seen a player cop what Latrell cops. Yeah. I've never seen someone spotlighted for their performance in yeah. a team that's losing, and uh, yeah. especially when they're just coming back and, yeah. and, and look at the errors that they make in a game under yeah. the spotlight that yeah. Latrell's had applied to him. You know, and I, I think some it, it's unfair, but yeah. I think Latrell's got good support around him, yeah. especially through Matty Rose and, yeah. and the crew there, and then Latrell's family too. Matty Mitchell, you know, yeah. he's, he's a great guy, Matty, and, and Latrell's mum. I sat next to Matty at Luke Coombs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was up there having a beer too, eh? Fantastic. And I was there at that Luke Coombs concert. Oh, I loved it. Uh, but, um, you know, great family around him. He loves his rugby league. The boys get around him, and he knows he's got all the players and ex-players supporting him. Yeah. And you know he keeps standing up, and so the ex players. I was thinking that there's a he'll get a, he'll get a message, he'll get a nod from anyone from anywhere. Yeah, uh, we've got when, a WhatsApp group there. The boys all sort of stick onto it and yeah. say, you know, let it help each other out when they're going through difficult yeah, times yeah. and stay in touch. And whenever we see each other, all the boys uh, they always make sure they make a point to you know look after each other. And everyone knows that Latrell's copped a fair bit more yeah. than everyone. And, and, and Latrell's a firebrand. You know, he he loves a yeah. bit of controversy himself. You know, yeah. if you have a look at him, he had, he had a muck around fight with his best mate in Jack White and you know yeah, so he, he's not afraid to say something or, yeah. or stir people up or, yeah, yeah. or, or or aggravate people he's he's up for the challenge too but yeah. you can see that it, it, it would take its toll and I've never seen that applied to any other player nah yeah it would take its toll on your performance more more so than anything I guess which which basically just goes to show that he's a human at the end of the day you know what I mean there's some people that thrive under that kind of you know, John McEnroe in the tennis. You know, some people yeah. love being the villain. But if that's not who you are and that's not – and you don't find it – It would drain your energy, you know. Yeah, it would drain you. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, every October, if you don't make a grand final, you get the chance to put on a real show. With they love mom. it. A lot of people say – 
Now, you see on social media, when these teams get knocked out of the competition, they go, I bet you Cody's organising his knockout team straight away now. <laughs> then, and then they just start talking about it. And it nearly is true. Yeah. The next day you know that the that community's buzzing now because Cody will be back here next week, so he's going to be getting us ready for the knockout. So One I saw was one of the Murray memes that went around when Bradman Best did the shaker leg in the origin with his brother yeah. at O'Carr. I didn't know that Bradman Best was from an Aboriginal family. Was that one that went around? Who's yeah, he playing yeah, for? Yeah, who's Bradman playing with? <laughs> and he's up there in Newcastle and they always blame the, the Newcastle now. Yowies is the flash team. You know, yeah. they always get all the big names. Yeah. And they call them the most stacked side. So everyone's going, I bet he's playing for the Yowies. But we had him on uh, Over the Black Dot a couple yeah. of weeks ago, Bradman. Yeah. And he said he's going back to Tinga to play if he plays with the, Tigers. The, with the community back there, which is where his family's from, you know. so oh, I was about to ask you about the Tinga Tigers. That is one of those myths urban myths that exist in rugby league, particularly in the bush. It's not a big town. No, it's, it's a town of, what, 200 people? Not even that. <laughs> 200, not even 200 people, but they produced, you know, Owen Craigie, Nathan Blacklock, Preston Campbell, Peter Ellis, Jaden Campbell now, Bradman Best, Greg Inglis's family's from there, Albert Kelly's family's from Jeez. there. So they're all connected to Tinga. So it's amazing. But look, there's this Blair family up there and they talk about... And that's a lot of Owen and, and that's family, Preston's family. And they talk about how good the old the old fellas were that played, that right. they should have played NRL, the old yeah, right, grandfathers right. and stuff like that. And that's where they all get their ability from. And uh, they're freakish players, though. They all, all come from is that there, same Is line. there a few towns like that, like what's in the water here? Yeah, well, you look at Walgut, you know, yeah. the Rose Brothers, Ricky <laughs> Walford. They've had, they've, I think they've got the record, Walgut, for a little town. Yeah. They've won the most of the Korean knockouts. Moree's another one. You know, McGrady's from Tumala. Oh, every town's got their star players, man, and they've got their abilities and they've got their family names that, you know, up in Armadale, it's probably the Wittises, the Morans, the yep. been big names for a long time up there, produced a lot of footballers. So. Well, you got Walkers as well. I mean, what's that? Not exactly Northern Rivers, but, you know, we're Cody's Casino, family. Casino, Casino, that, that area, way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Donnie Walker, yeah. Like, there was a lot of them, a whole heap of Walkers up yeah. there. Tabulum, they, yeah. they were fantastic footballers and, geez, they were a good, pretty team to watch, Tabulum. Always a tough team. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, knew yeah, how to yeah, throw yeah, the yeah. football around and Cody, that's his, That's where his family's all from. So, is there any untouched surface of New South Wales? Broken Hill and Menindi had a team in it. Menindi's yeah. had a team. Like, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. You can just look, uh, Will Kenya. You can't go further than that. They've had a team in the knockout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go down to the border and Albury. I was uh, thinking those kind of ones. Those uh, they have town. teams, they've they come. Yeah. And you, I, I was at Victorian Wodonga there one time and they were telling me about different sides that played in a knockout from Victoria that crossed the border and come and play. So <laughs> rugby league reaches a long way. You go yeah. all the way to the north, you'll have Mungandai, yeah. um, all them border towns, Colorado, Bry, Burke, Burke, Burke yeah. Bree Warner, all the way out to Menindi and uh, Will Kenya, Broken Hill. They all come to the knockout at some stage. They've all Because I was border thinking towns. that with the South Coast, right? They won 2019, South Coast Cockatoos. And that was going to be the 50-year anniversary. They got to host 2020. Obviously, COVID pushed it back a couple of years. But was that the first time they'd been put together? Yeah. South Coast? First time the South Coast. Well, they were always had different teams down there. But yeah. this was like a South Coast representative team that brought yeah. all, probably from Wollongong down to past Nowra, you know, brought all that mob together. And they're talented footballers down yeah. there, you know. So they a few towns were, to pick from too. Yeah. So a big mob to pick from down there. And they came together and they had a great side. And they won it. 
to take it down to Nowra. Yeah. And then the Newcastle All Blacks won it last year to take it back up here to Tugra. Yeah, know, yeah. To run in their local area. So if you win it, that's the dream. If yeah. you win it, you get to take it back to your hometown. Yeah. And the whole state focuses on your town for yeah. the next 12 months. And, and then if your town's too small, you've got to pick another town that'll have you. Yeah, well, that's the case, you know. Because <laughs> we ran it in Armadale once. We won it a few times with Narwin and it's too big to run in a little yeah. town like Armadale now. It's just really? Too big for Armadale? Too big for Armadale. Dubbo pulled it, it off. Tamworth and Dubbo, uh, Aubrey, Wagga. Tugra is massive. The, the complex they got up there is excellent. The facilities are you know, brilliant. Yeah. Um, now I struggled because it was so small. It was a big yeah. ask for them down there. People had to stay all the way back up to – virtually some people stayed in Sydney and drove down there. You know, yeah, it was yeah. just – the accommodation you need, you know, books out for hundreds of kilometres yeah. in all directions. So Newcastle's hosted a fair few now. Like you said, Bathurst and Dubbo. Dubbo's a, a really good spot for it. It's yeah. been been tremendous every time it's been in Dubbo. I need to ask now, I've asked a, a plenty of questions for the for the layman sitting at home that knows about the knockout but doesn't really know the go. But now me, I'm someone who's been watching it for 10 years, there's, there's questions I need answered as, as just a uh, humble white fella. Can you explain these memorial teams to me? Explain to me the types of teams. Obviously, you've got your mob, you've got your your team. Your... So you have the big community teams like you know the Maori Boomerangs, the Redfern All Blacks, yeah. Laparoos, Panthers, yeah. Narwhal Eels. They've been there for a long, long time. You know yeah. they'll be there. Walgett, they'll be there again year after year. They've been there for the, nearly the whole fifty years. They'll be there for the next fifty. They just yeah. keep wanting to play those communities. And then you have a lot of the memorial teams that come in that out of respect for a family member or someone prominent in a community that might have played for a couple of different communities. So they join different t- blokes together to come together to play for, mm-hmm. you know, your dad or your, your grandfather who might have passed away, contributed a lot to rugby league in that community. So, And then a lot of family groups just want to do it to pay tribute and yeah. bring the family together because yeah. they've had great loss in the sort of last two or three years or the last okay. 12 months. So because the knockout is seen as a modern-day corroboree, yeah. A lot of families look at it as that's their get-together, that's their reunion for the yeah, year. Right, right. So family teams always play in it. And a lot of mobs say, oh, this is the only time we actually get to catch up with each other besides being at a funeral yep. is at the knockout. So, you yeah. know, they go away, they stay together, they put a little team together amongst all their nephews and cousins and uncles and they just have a run and it's just about the mob coming together, having a game of footy and then having a weekend away in October. So right. it's really special like that. And was last year's winner a memorial? Now, last year's winner was Newcastle All Blacks. And okay. they, they did have a, you know, a memorial for their pop. Their pop was a prominent man up there in the Newcastle community, Bill Smith. And mm-hmm. uh, the team, he, he did a lot for that team mm-hmm. over 30, 40 years. But it was an official memorial. And a lot team. of his grandsons and his sons were sort of running it. Yeah. So they, they played respect to him. But it wasn't a, an official memorial team, yeah. but it's a, a club playing tribute to someone. Yeah. So I, I saw the memorial teams. I saw a lot of shirts, you know of people that have passed away and you put together a team, do, do they stick around for long or is that more of a one-off Most thing? of them one-off, yeah. Most, most of them one will off. have a one-off and play together yeah. and uh, and enjoy that and pay that respects and then uh, that's usually when it stops just after that one year. And then I saw another one where it's uh, like a mission, like a particular, not so much a town or a community or a mob. It's like paying tribute to everyone's family who came from one particular place. Yes, so yeah. you get some of that happens yeah. too, yeah. They pay tribute to, you know, a, a boy's home or Kutamundra boy's home or, or a town where, where they used to live, where the old people used to come from, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like uh, we have 
Ingle Bar up there in Woolbrook a couple of years ago. They put a Woolbrook Hawks team in, and yeah. no, no Blackfellas live out at Woolbrook yeah. anymore. But it was it's all the history. people who ancestors were from there and wanted to pay tribute to that mob and and, and tell a bit of their story, I suppose, to yeah. their grandkids. That's the thing for us. It's a big connection piece. Like I don't even know for my kids. My kids grew up in England and in in Australia, in Sydney, away from. Mob on country. Yeah. So when we go back in the knockout, that's what I tell my son who he's related to. These are all your cousins yeah, here. And yeah, these yeah. Are, these are all, you're playing with boys who you're related to. And my daughter even got to do that on, on the weekend. She went to a smaller knockout in Lismore and she ended up playing with a team that yeah. she didn't know, but she was related to most of them. <laughs> yep. So she met a lot of her cousins there through football. Obviously, NITV's coverage is elite, but I do think there's something. I think there's an ESPN 30 from 30 on this phenomena. You know, that is a completely Aboriginal owned and operated and run. And we opened with politics, right? It is astounding that this thing can keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the logistically, it just does not fail. It's a true example of like something that, you know, means so much that it has to work. I think it'd be interesting to see it. Uh, as you said, it's too big for, for Armadale now. Well, that's a pretty big. That's a university town. That's a, and it's, <laughs> but it's a huge event. Like yeah. over nearly 150 teams. Yeah. And you're playing for four full days of footy, and bro, it's the only event <laughs> that a big town like Dubbo. KFC will sell out a chicken. Yeah, I heard that. You know, you don't get no chicken left in any of the KFCs I around I heard Mudgy was getting the call up, we need supplies. Yeah, they through. need supplies. McDonald's runs out of burgers, everything. Like, stuff that doesn't usually happen in communities yeah, will, yeah. will happen at the knockout weekend because <laughs> yeah. it's so huge. And I remember at Leichhardt Oval, they were talking at one time there that there might have been 15,000 people there on on one day when Redfern ran it there yeah. a few years ago. That, yeah, that's how big the crowds go there on the Saturday. It just yeah. gets packed, you know. And I, I expect Tugra to be exactly the same uh, next week. Yeah, well, I, I look forward to it. Who are your tips aside from your own team? Who are your tips? Who's looking good? Well, I think Walgett last year, the WAC team, which George Rose played and Latrell yeah. Mitchell played in, Benny Barber played in that yeah, team yeah. last year. I'm predicting them to go close. Yeah. They, they made the final last year, got beaten. Yeah. They'll be one of the teams. Uh, it depends where Andrew Fafita plays because yeah. apparently he's taken a lot of the Sharks boys with him. Really? So, you know, I've seen teams, um, <laughs> Will Kennedy, Jesse Ramian, Andrew Fafita, <laughs> Wade Graham could all appear in the same team. So really? you can imagine... Three ways. You can imagine that three ways team. They, yeah. They've had a, some great sides over the years. They're going to they're gonna be strong if Andrew plays there. But this is what the excitement's about is that you actually don't know who's going to play for who right up until you see yeah. him run out on the field. So you don't ever sort of count it off... But but, mate, there's a lot of a lot of countrysides. But I'd say Walgett will be one of the favourites. Newcastle Yowies will be really good. Last year they went out really early, but yeah. um, they're always a spectacular team. And I'm hearing that Tyrell Sloan and uh, uh, Bud Sullivan and, and a few of them guys are going there to play, yeah, and that right. they might have they might have Bradman Best and a few of them Newcastle the Gag guys and Edric Lee and Branko Lee and all that play for. Them. So <laughs> yeah. you just don't know. But um, the Newcastle Yowies, Walgett will be. To the teams and Josh Adokar's got his own team in the Sydney All Blacks. Really so be interesting to see that they've been training hard. What's this a rebel team or a... Well, he's got that young Tyrone Munro there from? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of the boys from Redfern, La Perouse, the Waterloo. So not playing so Redfern. Not playing with Redfern. They're, they're coming up with the Sydney All Blacks. They're so not the Redfern All Blacks. The Sydney All Blacks. And oh, I think it's shit. to get more of the Sydney boys in. So they'll be a red hot team too. Yeah, so it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they go. Well, I um I want to make it clear to the listeners at home that Dean Witters has not been sent here to sell this thing this excitement is real and uh i made the very very grave mistake of bringing up the Koori knockout to a couple la perouse lads that i was bumped into the other day and i can tell you it was like this 
It's exactly like this yarn, except it went for about four hours. Every time I walked within <laughs> their orbit, they were telling me who they got and what they do, and we don't ever pick anyone. We only pick people that come from here. I'll spare his name because... Um, oh, they're passionate about that, the LARPA. <laughs> That'll be a good team too. <laughs> yeah, they cop a bit of shit, old LARPA. So I think uh, I think they're ready to always ready to prove everyone wrong. It's funny the motivating factors too. You know, and LARPA always gets picked on, so LARPA wants to be the bad guy. Yeah, and then well, it- see the poor poor fellas. They're out there. They're the first community that Captain Cook went through to thing. So a lot of black fellas will say you should have kept him out. You know, but it's. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't have so happened in more. Cop that little slack joke every every now and then, but but That'd they're a great football team, great football team, Lapa, and they'll be right up there. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They play for their community. They yeah. really rip in. So yeah, yeah. See how they go. Yeah, and I'll be I'll be tuning in. I don't know if they got bookies down there yet, but um, it's one of those things you never know who's going to win it. I like this theory that you got to figure out. We got to we got to keep an eye on where Andrew Fafita's going, uh, and if he is even playing. But yeah, again. Knockout fever. I'm starting to feel it myself. Thank you for joining us, Dean Witters. Thanks for having us, man. Enjoyed it.